invite you to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. Yesterday morning, during our men's Bible study and prayer time, we considered the topic of keeping your focus. It's so easy to lose focus in the course of life. Every day we get up and we have the tasks of the day. Some things are more pleasant than others, some things less pleasant than others. And so we, we get into this routine of life day after day, and, and we can lose focus of what our main agenda is and, and where we're headed. Where we're headed. Consider what lies ahead for us as believers in Jesus Christ. This passage here in Colossians chapter 3 reminds us of what has been done what lies ahead, and what is our responsibility in the meantime. It has a past, present, future focus to it. Take a look beginning in Colossians 3 and verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so you can see, if you just take a a quick scan of those four verses, a past, present, and future emphasis. First of all, the past, where he talks about the fact that our union with Christ, something going on with our uh, speaker, Russ, we've got some feedback going on up here. Good to go? In, in verse 1, we've been raised together with Christ. Now he says, have been raised. That means something has already taken place, and it's really, the, the reality is, he's taken us from death to life. And a very clear way to see that is in Ephesians 2. Take a look at Ephesians 2 for a second. Beginning in verse 1, he says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable, the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. He goes on to tell us that because of this this amazing work of God, we've been engrafted. We've been placed into a, a, a new creation. God has made us new, not individually only, 
But corporately, an indiv- uh, a, a corporate um, masterpiece is what he tells us in verse 10. And he mo- moves on. He says, in verse 11, you were without hope. You were without God. You were separated from the covenants. You had nothing. You were hopeless without God in the world. But through the blood of Christ, he's made you near. And he goes on and talks about how Christ is our peace and how he's given us access to the Father. This, this concept is exactly what is going on at the beginning of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, because he's talking about this resurrection with Christ, he's automatically telling us about where we were. We used to be dead in our trespasses and sins. Now we're alive. He's placed us into Christ. So we have this union with Christ. He's provided us with spiritual life. Uh, in the context of the book of Colossians, gone are the regulations. Gone are the basic principles of the world. Gone are the, the, the bondage that is associated with the commandments and doctrines of men. That doesn't mean that there are no regulations. It doesn't mean that there are no commandments. It just means that the bondage that is associated with it and, and the, 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 the view that those things made us right with God, all of that is gone. And he concludes chapter 2 with this incredible statement in verse 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Then you have this transition into chapter 3. I'll tell you something that is of value to stopping the flesh. Regulations? No. Commandments of men? No. Anything that's basic to the orientation and elements of the world? No. But I can tell you something that is good for the, the dealing with the indulgences of our flesh. The fact that we've been raised together with Christ, that can set us free from bondage to our sin. Because now, instead of being dead in our trespasses and sin, we've been made alive, not just alive, but alive together with and in Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is. If we're united together with Christ, is that not also where we is where we are. If Christ is there and we're united together with him, not only is he there at the right hand of the Father, we also, as those united together with him and made alive together with him, we are also there. This is incredible. He has taken those that were dead in trespasses and sin, unable to overcome the indulgence and bondage of our flesh, to sin, he's removed the dominion of sin because he's placed us in Christ and Christ is in glory. He says, because of this, seek those things that are above. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. So we we talked about the fact that there's a past present. He's taken us from death to life. There's also a future element to this. Take a look at verse 4. He says, when Christ... Who is your life appears, then at that time you also will appear with him in glory. Now, we know because of our union that we're there, okay? But you also know you're here, right? It's very obvious. Every day I wake up and look at the same ugly mug in the mirror, and sometimes I shave it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes 
people don't shave it for, for months, right, and grow a beard, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with facial hair. I told our brother, I said, oh, I'm sorry, we, didn't, we don't allow facial hair in this church. <laughs> he knew I was kidding. Um, I look at the same ugly mug in the mirror every day, and I, and I also, you know, that's, that's one thing. I also live with the realities of my flesh that come out in the course of a day. That's very discouraging. Yes, I'm united together with God. United together in Christ, I'm in the heavens, but I know I'm still here. Verse 4 tells us there's a day coming when I'm not going to be here in this body, in this flesh, any longer. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Our union with Christ will provide us with a full display of Jesus' glory. I want you to think about that. That day when Jesus appears and we appear with him in glory, we will for the first time fully and continuously display God's glory. It will never stop. It will never be interrupted. It will be a a full display of his glory forever. Christ is our life, it says in verse 4. He is the direction of our lives. He is the end purpose of our lives. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus in John 11 says he's the resurrection and the life. In John 5.26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus is our life. Without him, we have no life. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 in verse 2, as you, ha- uh, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that you should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So Jesus is the one that gives life. And you remember the next verse? And this is life eternal, that they may know you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus not only is our life, he distributes life. He is the purpose and source of our lives. And he is the the end display of our lives. Take a look at Philippians chapter 3 just for a moment. This was referenced at some point throughout our day today. I don't know if I said it. Brian Brian said it at one point today, I know. In Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 20 and following. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do what? Transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subdue all things to himself. What what is being said here? There's a day coming when not only will I be in this positional relationship with Christ where, where I'm in him and I know that I'm there, but I'm kind of still here. The day is coming when Jesus appears and I will appear with him in glory. And when I appear with him in glory, I won't appear like this. I'll be like him. John said this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, what's the rest of it say? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And as he is, so will we be. This is good news, folks. That's about our future. Our past, he's taken us from death to life. Our future, he is our life, and he's the end goal of our lives. He's the source of our lives, and he is what our life will look like forever. But 
Is that the end of it? Is that, is that, okay, past and future? What about now? What about now? There's something about the present in this text as well, and it dominates the text. Take a look back in Colossians chapter 3. Our union with Jesus is provided in order not only that we would have a future display of His glory, but that we might have a current display of His glory. I want you to think about that for a moment. God united us together with Christ so we would be raised from the dead and have this position in glory and ultimately be with Him displaying Jesus' glory forever. But He has also saved us, united us with Jesus so we would display that glory now. So, with that being said, let's look again, verses 1 through 4, the whole text, and then we'll, we'll kind of look at it just a little bit further. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you, you have, what? What's it say? Died. You have died. Well, that's, that's kind of good news. It doesn't sound like good news. It sounds like bad news. Well, people die if it's not happy. You have died and your life is. Is that a present? Is that a past? Is that a future? That's a present. Is. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is currently your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Our true identity sometimes is hidden these days, isn't it? Yeah, you can take out your wallet and you've got your ID. There's my face. You can pull it and turn it over. I've got my military ID on the other side. There's my face again. I wish I could get a different face. It would be helpful, probably. But there it is. I've got my ID. You just show it for certain things. If you get pulled over, you've got to show it so you can prove that you have a license. If you go onto a, a Navy base, you've got to pull it out so that the guard says, all right, you're, you have authorization to come on the base. These things show, like, wait, this is who you are. People can see who you are as a human, and sometimes it shades who you really are. It puts a veil over who you really are. Think about it when you are choosing you. Well, you're kind of showing the, the rob of your personality or whatever your name is. You're showing who you are. And that's not a pretty sight, folks. Not, pe not for people that have been delivered, redeemed. A ransom payment has been made. We show who we are in our flesh. That's not who we really are. My life, I'm dead, right? Rob is dead. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it. He, he's dead. And your life now is hidden right now with Christ in God. Well, if you'll remember, in Jesus' earthly ministry, there were times where his real ID, real identification, was hidden. People didn't know who he was. You know, even in the text this morning, Hey, we know your mom and dad. You're just one of the, you're the son of the carpenter. How can you tell me you've been sent from heaven? I know who you are. You're just like the rest of us. You know, his, his ID sometimes was 
was hidden. In fact, you'll remember in a passage like Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So like he just went through a lot of different things that we're going through. So his, his deity sometimes was veiled. And there were other times in Jesus' ministry when it was unveiled. Think about when Jesus fed the 5,000 like we read this morning. Or think about when Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. Think about when Jesus gave sight to a man born blind or healed a person who had been um, disabled from his birth. You think about someone who wasn't able to hear or someone not able to speak. Or if you think about Jesus in probably the most full declaration of his divinity on earth when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he shined or shone and his garments were whiter than any launderer could launder it. That's one of the texts reads it that way. How many people got to see that? Three. Jesus' true identity was veiled at times, and at other times it was creeping out. Well, how about you and I? There are times that our true identity is veiled. What's the reason for that, folks? Because we're living, we're living like the Gentiles live in the vanity of our minds. And that's a struggle that we face day in and day out. How do we deal with it? How do we deal with that veiling of that for which God has made us alive? So he's made us alive, and we have this day in the, in the future where we will unendingly, ceaselessly, perfectly display Jesus' glory. What, what, are, what about right now? He gives us two keys in this text to help us to understand how we can display Jesus' glory now. And they're basically saying the same thing. Verse 1 and verse 2. First of all, seek the things that are above. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Now, you've all heard the expression, he's so heavenly-minded that he's no earthly good. Let me just dispel it. That, that statement is hooey. That's not accurate. You cannot be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. When you're heavenly minded, you're thinking about God's will, God's purposes, God's glory, and the redemption that comes from Him. You can't be considering the redemption that comes from God and not want to share it with others. You can't. The problem that we face, here's when we're hesitant to give the gospel, when we're so focused on earthly things. What will they think of me? How will they react to me? Or, I'm really busy, I don't have time for. Why? I've got this agenda. I've got to get these things done. Set your affection on things above God's redemptive purposes. And you won't neglect the people nearby you. Well, how is it that that translates into a display of Jesus' glory here and now? A willingness to testify of the gospel does not make me necessarily display the gospel. Is that correct? You can, you can be in your flesh and tell someone the gospel, correct? That's true. Uh, in fact, 
just because you're in the flesh doesn't mean God won't honor the gospel and his purposes with the gospel in that person's life. Uh, I don't want to settle, do you? I don't want God to, to use me in spite of myself. I want him to use me as I allow him to do this in my life. I want him to be honored in the way that I go about this. And so we have a couple of texts of Scripture that, that relate to our everyday life. Uh, turn to, first of all, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to take a couple more minutes to consider this. We're, we want to keep our focus. We want to keep our focus on what is to come. And what is to come impacts the what is now greatly. And because we recognize what is to come in our glorious future in heaven, and we recognize the benefit that that has for others, we want them to see the Savior that we believe, that we proclaim, that we serve, that we follow. And how do we let them see Him? Take a look in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 20. Actually, verse 17 for a little context. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility or emptiness of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. And we're not blaming them. They don't have any choice. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. It's not, it's not their fault. Like, that's, that's where they are. Like, you and I at one point were there. When we display ignorance, that's on us. It's due to the hardness of their heart. Verse 19. They have become callous. Now, now we've got some things that are definitely their fault, right? Because they've been hardened, then they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So he's warning us, this can happen to an unbeliever. And he says in verse 20, but this is not the way you learned Christ. This ought not be true about you because you have come to understand who Christ is and his deliverance. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ or in Jesus, to put off your old self, that sounds kind of like what Colossians 3.3 says is fact. You are dead. That's a fact. You are dead. And here he says, put that factual reality into effect. Put off your old man. When we display our fleshliness, it's almost like we're resurrecting that old fleshly dead person and saying, yeah, this is, this is better. This is better. This is what I want. He says, put off the old man. Why should you do that? It belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. What, what do I do instead? Instead of allowing that one to reside, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of of your minds, and to put on the new man. Who's the new man? Christ is. Put on the new self. Listen carefully to the wording. He says, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 
what Paul, in the Spirit of God, so God himself, has just told us, is that when we put off the old man and put on the new man, we are displaying the real character and nature of Christ. This is our job. This is why we're here. It's not just for the future, though it's glorious that it's coming, and it, and it gives us confidence. We say, all right, that, that is happening. There's no doubt. God always finishes what he starts. Here and now, what do we do? Oh, I, I see the, the, the waywardness of my mind and my soul and my spirit. It tends in this direction. Put it off. Be renewed in the spirit of my mind. Feed upon the word so that, so that I recognize when that's my desire and the, what, the, what the direction ought to be and put on Christ. And when I put on Christ, the real display of him right now is, on, on, is there for us. One more passage. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's interesting that in the, the, the context of suffering and turmoil and persecution, Paul talks about the fact that Jesus was manifest, that means to be shown forth, in his body. And he didn't say a glimmer, a glimpse. He said, Jesus was manifest in our bodies. Look at what he says beginning in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure, he's talking about the gospel, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested, shown forth, in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is in you. Why is life at work while death is, is on them? Because as they're persecuted and yielded to the Spirit of God, Jesus is put on display and, and real life is on display for those that are looking. I want you to answer this question, not out loud. Can Jesus be truly displayed in us sin-cursed people? Hmm? Of course he can. That's what this text is all about. We were, we were in bondage to sin and displaying it. We've been rescued from that. We have new life. We can put Jesus on display. So here's, here's the, the last question. Are you hidden in Jesus so that when people see you, they see him on display? Or is Jesus hidden in you so they see you on display? Paul would challenge us and say, you are dead. Christ is your life. Let him shine. When they see you, let them really see him. Let's pray together. Father, we need you. We, we struggle 
life often dominates our thinking rather than heavenly things. This earth dominates our minds rather than the glories of the gospel and the glory of heaven. Help us that we would yield ourselves to you, that Christ would be displayed in our lives. Whether by life or by death, we want people to see him. We know, those of us that have trusted Jesus, that we will display him fully forever without ceasing. We pray in the meantime as we wait that you would strengthen us by your grace to display you and your son now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.